0: This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini.
1: This is the TSN MMA Show live on location from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Never thought I'd say that. Another thing I never thought I'd say to uh, Adam Martin who's joining me right now from SureDog.com. Adam and I worked together years and years ago uh, covering the UFC and MMA pretty loosely. not, Not like we do now, but... If I would have told you, Adam, about ten years ago that we'd be covering a card in Brazil with Jose Aldo, Anderson Silva, BJ Penn, Tiago Alves, Clay Guida, ten years ago, what would you have said?
2: <laughs> I would have said you're, you're, you're high, man. There's no way. There's no way, Aaron. But th- this is, you know, the amazing opportunity. Just came together at such short notice. I can't believe we're here right now, man. Like I'm looking out the window. There's the waves crashing in the in the ocean. I guess that, that's the Atlantic, right? So. Man, it's beautiful here. So far, so good, Aaron. It's a nice safe flight. I'm glad I'm here with you, man. I can't wait to watch this card, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about it first, obviously.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's, let's take a look at this card because I think at the top, we've got a really, really interesting matchup between Rose Namajunas and Jessica Andrade. Um Just based on what they've got going on with their particular matchup, you look at Andrade, she's a buzzsaw. She'll move forward. She'll pressure Rose Namajunas. But then you look at Rose, and Rose just has such a you know, variety of attacks and a variety of ways to win this one. This is one that I just keep flipping a coin on, and I, I can't really figure out where that coin's going to land. It, sometimes it lands on heads, sometimes it lands on tails. And for a long time, I was pretty convinced that Jessica Andrade would win this. But then I went back and watched a lot of Rose's fights, and I think that Rose is going to have a lot of tools to be able to defeat Andrade and retain the title. What, what are your thoughts when you look at this particular matchup?
2: Great fight. Great um... fight. Man, it's a tough one to call. Like, Look at the odds. They're pretty much even. Uh, I think Andrade is slightly favored at the moment. And and that, to me, makes a little sense because she is, first off, fighting in Brazil. Second, she's fought more recently in Rose. Rose has had kind of a long way off, uh, 13 months, since the Conor McGregor bus incident and their fight against Juana, the second one. And Andrade since then has looked really good. That knockout over Carolina last year, Carolina Kowalkovich, Kowalkovich at uh, UFC, uh, Dallas man that was an insane knockout and you don't see one punch knockouts by women that often especially at 115 so to me that makes her a truly special fighter her pressure-based style is, is something unique in that division um, she's physically extremely opposing as well but then at the same time Aaron like Rose is great you know and she's coming off a nice win streak herself she's clearly the cha- she's the champ and she's clearly one of the best fighters in the world her weight class um, she's just improved drastically over the years every time we see her fight she gets better and better it's a close fight, Aaron. I'm like you, man. I'm, I'm flipping heads and tails to you, but ultimately, I'm going to slide a little bit with Andra just because she's fighting in Brazil. And I I, I don't know, man. I think that home trial crowd is going to really help her out in this fight. So I'll slightly lean towards Andraj, but man, it's it's an amazing fight. And, uh, it, you know, if Rose wins, how could I be surprised? She's a great fighter.
1: In terms of MMA math, this thing breaks the calculator because you had Carolina Kovacavits beat Rose by split decision. Andraj knock Carolina out in the first round, and Rose. Beat Joanna once by knockout and once by um, decision, and Joanna defeated Jessica Andrade pretty handily. So, yeah. MMA math doesn't make sense at the best of times, so it's really hard to wrap your head around this one. Because if Rose Yunus was able to beat Joanna, kind of at her own game in that last fight, and you you know Joanna was able to beat Andrade with that kind of same game plan, it's hard to make, you know. Heads or tails about, again, I keep bringing up heads or tails, but yeah. it, it's hard to make heads or tails about how this one's going to go. And uh, the more I look at it, the more I think Rose is going to win. But we'll see how it plays out. I mean, Andrade is so, so tough yeah. and so, so dangerous at all times. Um, but in the coming event... Anderson Silva, Jared Cannonier. This is an interesting yeah. one. Jared Cannoneer uh, corrected me because I was like, you know, if you beat Silva, you're going to get to the top ten. he goes, I'm, I already am in the top ten. <laughs> so I, I forgot that Jared Cannonier, I think he's ranked tenth actually, okay. is, and he's taking on Anderson Silva. And this is probably the lowest level opponent that Anderson has had yeah. since probably Derek Brunson in the co event back in uh, Brooklyn, one of the worst cards yep. that, uh, that there ever has been. I think it was UFC 209 or something along those it's lines. But uh Anderson Silva, back in Brazil for the first time, I think it was you said since twenty twelve
2: yeah his first his first time fighting in Brazil since twenty twelve when he knocked out Stefan Bonner, a juiced up Stefan Bonner, my mm-hmm. dad and i am with you, Aaron, I think it is the worst opponent he's had in eight years, or seven years, I should say, you know, since Bonner The, the, the truth is like Kanner did look good in his last fight when he beat branch, but I mean. First off, it was his first fight at middleweight, so we don't have a huge, like, uh, just... We don't we don't have uh, enough of a... Sample
1: size? Yeah, sample
2: size for him at 185. I'm not convinced he's a top-ten guy yet. Anderson Silva, yeah, he's 44. We get it, I get it. You know, uh, he hasn't won in forever since the Brunson fight. And honestly, he probably lost that fight. He got a lucky decision there. If you look before, that would be the Nick Diaz fight in 2015, which was overturned turned to a new contest before that, Bonner, but... There's something about me that's pulling me towards Anderson in this fight. I just, I really think he has a chance to win this fight, Aaron. Especially being counted out uh, as a small underdog here. I think he should be favored. I mean, it's Anderson Silva. He's fighting in Brazil. He, uh, He's he's only lost once in his whole career in Brazil. That was way back in like 2000 in his like, first or se- second fight. So he's always had a lot of success in Brazil. Cannoneer's flying down here. Yeah, he looked good in that last fight. But he's also, he's an old fighter too. He's 35. He's bounced between weight classes his whole career. It seems like he's figured it out. But I'm not convinced yet. So... Again, not an easy fight to call, and that's why I really like this card, Aaron. Like the matchmaking's like very shrewd in this card. You have some really good fights. It's so funny about this matchup though, because when Anderson had the last fight against Israel, they asked Israel the reporters, "Hey, who's to Anderson fight?" And he's like, "Oh, I think Jared Cannier would be a good fight." And I laughed at it, and then they actually made the fight, and I was like, "Wait, that that fight actually does make sense." And you know what? Anderson looked decent against Israel, man. Like he lost the decision here, there, Aaron, but it was a respectable loss. So um, you know what? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Anderson to win. I think I'll take him by decision, maybe a knockout, but it's a close fight. It could go either way. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I would agree that it was a pretty respectable showing, but respectable, I don't know. This is that, that was the kind of fight where Anderson Silva could look good. It was tailor-made for Anderson Silva. to still look like he was good. Now, Jared Cannonier, this is going to be an interesting one because at 185, he is shredded, and he looks big. I mean, he's fought at heavyweight and uh, light heavyweight before. Now that he's down to 185, I didn't believe he was going to be, be able to make 185, and he said that he made it pretty easily last time. I remember when he was... 205 and I interviewed him after a win and he goes yeah one day I'm gonna fight a middleweight and I said no you're not you're you're gigantic and he's done it he's gone down to middleweight the hard one for me is Picturing Anderson Silva winning a fight right now, I just it's I don't know how he's going to win this fight, and I don't really know how Jared Cannonier is going to win this fight. This is a really difficult one to envision, to, to picture how it's yeah. going to go, because Jared Cannonier is the type of guy that can win fights just based on brute strength and aggression, and that's kind of not what you want to do with Anderson Silva. And you never know if coming into Brazil, being across Anderson Silva in the cage. If there's going to be some sort of some nerves there, you know, there's nerves for everybody going into every fight for the most part, uh, unless you ask Alexander Volkanovsky, who we'll get to next. Yeah. But uh, you know, I asked Kenanir about it, and Kenanir's had a bit of a rough week. He, his luggage got lost, and um, no way, dude. yeah, his luggage got lost. It's apparently on its way here now, but he hasn't had any of his luggage for like the last two days. No mitts and nothing like that. No mouthpiece, and uh, apparently at home, his his kid is sick and his dog is sick. And his dog is uh, pooing all over the house, according to uh, his wife. So he's going through some stuff during fight week leading up to this uh, bout with Anderson Silva, some personal stuff. So hopefully that gets out of the way, and then he's got to make the wait also. So there's a lot of things at play right now with Jared Cannoneer, whereas Anderson is probably more comfortable than ever. He's in Brazil. I saw him, you know, palling around with Big Nog and, uh, and Thiago Alves earlier, and, you know, he seems very comfortable, so... This is going to be a really interesting one. This is another one where I just I can't really make heads or tails of this one because like you mentioned the the sample size on Canadier is not very big. Yeah. Anderson Silva hasn't won since really legitimately. I I think I'll give him the Brunson win, but before the Brunson win since like 2015. So, it's hard to know. And I mean, he was again, a very very close fight with Bisping as well, we should add. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But uh for this particular one I it's a really tough one for me to call but I'm I'm leaning Cannoneer just because he's the younger guy and Anderson hasn't shown a whole lot lately in my opinion but We'll see how that one goes. Uh, another one that's a very tough one to call. That's what I love about the top three fights here. It's just that it's really difficult to figure out how this is going to go down, and that's Jose Aldo against Volkanovski. Uh, Volkanovski looked amazing against Chad Mendez. He uh, was able to beat Mendez really at his own game. He was able to stuff takedowns, and then when it came to the boxing, he really poured it on Mendez late in that fight um, and, and got the finish. Uh, Jose Aldo, of course, three-round Aldo the last time aldo has won like lost a three round fight i think was like in his day de- i think he might have lost his his mma debut i'm going to go back and look but in the Zufa era he's never lost a three round fight um, he's looked really really good lately late. like, yeah right? he lost against luciano Azevedo yeah. in jungle fights in 2005 so like almost 14 years ago was the last time he lost a three round fight yeah. uh, so you know win over stevens inside the distance win over moicano inside the distance and now Volkanovsky. Um, I mean, we all know that Aldo has what it takes to beat Volkanovski, but uh, do you think he gets it done?
2: I love that we're disagreeing on these fights, even though we both think they're a close fight. It's nice to see some disagreeing, because I think we both know the sport pretty well. And this is another fight where, you know, again, it's a it's a close fight, and the odds have it really close, but I, I find it hard to go against Aldo, and I'll tell you why. Okay, first off, I love Volkanovski. This guy's amazing. He's on a 16-fight win streak. He's 6-0 and in the UFC era, and that fight over Chad, that win over Chad Mendez, that was a great fight, but man, what a great knockout for him. I know Chad retired after that fight, so there's some question marks about him. Uh, But still, man, the way, like, who else did that to to Chad besides uh, Aldo, you know? So it it shows that this guy is one of the best in the world. But this is still a step up, and Aldo's looked amazing in his last couple fights there, and I just can't pick against him uh, based on the last two fights. He's looked in, in amazing. Uh, the, the fight over McCannell, that second round where he turned it on and just went into like, uh, I don't even know, man. He just
1: WEC Aldo mode. Yeah,
2: yeah, like vintage <laughs> Aldo, like video game Aldo. He just went forward and just destroyed McCannell, who I have a lot of respect for. I think McCannell is one of the best guys in the world too. So that was amazing, and he completely starched Stevens. So. You know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to be honest. I was one of the people that was writing him off after the Holloway losses and the McGregor loss. I was like, man, three or four uh, fights been knocked out. There's no way I could pick this guy. And I, and I picked against him in those last two fights. I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm taking Jose Aldo, man. I think he's going to win this fight. And I think he's going to jump into the crowd again because that's what he seems to love to do in Brazil.
1: Especially in Rio. But you know what? It's funny because I'm on the opposite end of all of that because I I liked Aldo against Stevens. I liked Aldo against Moicano. Um, I, I still have a lot of faith in Jose Aldo being good. It's just this... Particular matchup I don't love for Jose Aldo. I also don't like the fact that he's apparently been ill. He was in and out of the hospital during this camp. He wasn't able to have a really a full training camp. Um, And Volkanovski, man, he's just more motivated than ever. This is his shot at getting a title shot. If he beats Aldo, I think it would be a huge miscarriage of justice if they gave the title shot to Edgar over Volkanovski if he gets a win over Aldo, who's beaten Edgar twice. Um, But like I mentioned, Aldo hasn't lost a three-round fight in almost 14 years. This is actually the first time, and I pointed this out on yeah. on Twitter uh, earlier that he hasn't that he's been in a non-title uh, fight that's three rounds. Um, sorry, that's not the co-main or main event yeah. since back in the WEC days against Chris Mickle. <laughs> Like a long, long time, more than 10 years ago. So Aldo has just been at the very top of the sport, whereas Volkanovski hasn't. Volkanovski has not really been at the top of any card. I mean, the Mendez card was his biggest opportunity to date. I think it was like the third or fourth fight yeah. from the top at, yeah. on a pay-per-view. But I, I personally, I think Volkanovski just has um, the kind of boxing that is going to be competitive with Aldo. Plus, he's got the wrestling that he can mix in. This is just going to be a very, very difficult fight to call. Again, I, all of three of these fights are very yeah. difficult to call. Yep. But I'm going to lean Volkanovski. If, if Aldo had a full camp and didn't have all of, all of those medical issues, I probably would have leaned Aldo. But uh, just from yeah. a matchup standpoint, I think Volkanovski matches up fairly well against Aldo. We'll see. I mean, I, I rarely pick against Aldo. The last times I've picked against him were against Holloway. Yep. Um, and I, I still had faith in him in those last two fights when, like you mentioned, people had been writing him off. but really? Yeah. Um, So on top of the, uh, you know, aside from those three fights, there's not a whole lot of other really big-ticket fights. There's a lot of big names. I mean, I think Tiago Alves from, you know, UFC 100 fought GSP for the title. Little Nog is, you know, a legend in the sport. And then you've got Clay Guida versus BJ Penn, which is a really interesting one. So why don't we touch on that one a little bit because uh, Guida and Penn, I spoke to both of them earlier today. Um, You'll hear some of those interviews later on in this show. But uh, this is a fight that I would have loved to see back, like when we were yeah. working together ten, whatever, yeah. ten or so years ago, yeah, when BJ know. Penn was running through everybody, yeah. and Guido almost got there. He lost to Diego Sanchez in one of the craziest fights ever. Yeah. So um, when you look at this fight, do you think BJ Penn has a way of winning the story, this particular matchup?
2: I honestly don't. And I hate to say it because I love BJ, and man, he's one of the greatest fighters of all time. But Aaron, this guy's retired. How many times now? Three or four times. He keeps calling back from the dead, but it's not in a good way. He's lost, I think, six straight fights. This could be a seven straight loss, which would, I believe, set the record for most consecutive losses in the UFC, which is (laughs) not a record anyone wants to have. I just think it's a terrible matchup for him, man, honestly. like Guida is a blanket, and he's such a relentless wrestler. He's going to have a massive cardio advantage here. He's going to have a huge wrestling advantage. Uh, His ground and pounds look really good lately. He's on the tail end of his career as well, but at least he's still competitive in his fights for the most part. I just I don't I don't know about you, Aaron. I don't see a path to victory for BJ. The only way he could win is like like the Matt Hughes fight, which was his last win in 2010, and it was at that fight. That was actually the first UFC I ever went to in person. UFC Detroit, UFC 123. And he knocked out Matt Hughes in 23 seconds, and that's the only way he could beat Clay Guida. Just a random punch that knocks him out, and I don't see it happening. So I I think I think Clay Guida dominates this fine. You know, if you look at the odds. I'm pretty sure he's the biggest favorite in the card. I, I think second biggest.
1: I think yeah. Okay.
2: Well, anyways, he, I think he deserves it. What do you think about this one?
1: Yeah. Um, this is a, an interesting one as well because the only way I think that Guida can lose this fight is if he decides to, that he wants to strike with BJ Penn. He doesn't want to wrestle with him. Yeah. Doesn't want to try to take him down. Um, and I mean that would be a. A reasonable thing to do because taking down BJ Penn with his jujitsu skills, even though he hasn't really done much from bottom ever, no. you know, BJ from bottom has never been that great. But, um, you know, Guida might want to try to stand with him, and you just never know what's going to happen. It, with a, you know, BJ Penn still has power. Yeah. Um, I still think that he has the potential to put uh, Guida on his back, but Guida also has a notoriously good chin. He's barely been knocked out in his entire career. So I think what you know, pretty much it would have to be lightning in a bottle in order for BJ Penn to, to get a win here. Do I think it's impossible? No. I do I think I think the odds are a little bit long. Um but get, you know, given what we know about BJ Penn and his recent performances, I can completely understand why the odds are that way. Right. Um so I, I I think you have to lean Guida on this one, but it's it is interesting to see this fight so many years later and Yeah, yeah. and
2: not only that, but we didn't even mention like he's dealing with a lot of stuff outside the cage mm-hmm. right now. I'm pretty sure he's got uh well didn't his wife uh file like a restraining order against him or something like that and then there's some farmer that said he attacked him with a machete allegedly so he's got all these other things to deal with in addition to a tough matchup. i just i can't see him winning this fight and Aaron, if he loses i really do hope that he hangs him up because it's like you don't want to see guys lose like this seven straight losses would be you know devastating he might want to go back to bellator i'm still thinking that could be a spot for him if he does leave the ufc because his, his buddy rich chow's there they're going to hawaii but, man, Aaron, I, I don't know. Like, we're looking at his record right now. It's just, you know, he started off his career legendary. Like, he was winning all his fights. Uh, he looked like one of the greatest fighters of all time. And then he just hit a rough patch in, in the 2010s. So, just, it, yeah, it's been sad to see him decline like this.
1: Yeah, he'll be a sub-500 UFC Hall of Famer if he wins. <laughs> if he loses against Clay Guida. I, I was probably- surprised. I wanted to see it, what, what his UFC record was. And it's 12-12. Well, 12-12-1. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, no. Who also? Would, I guess you'd be joining what like Stefan Bonner. I think Stefan might be a little bit under five hundred. He's probably. The, well, I'd say he's probably the weakest all of Famer. Um. Looking at it, right? But
1: Stefan is like the thing about Stefan is Stefan himself isn't really in the Hall of Fame. It's oh, more yeah. that fight. It's Bonner versus know, Griffin is in a... the Hall of Fame. So I, I don't know. that That's the way they're doing it. They're putting actual fights in the Hall of Fame. Right. So if they end up putting like a, I don't know, like Gustafson versus right. Jones in the Hall of Fame, Gustafson's not necessarily a Hall of Fame. That's the uh, way I look at it, at least.
2: Fair enough. No, for sure. That makes sense. Same with, I guess that would be like the Frank Trigg fight with Matt Hughes. Great fight. But I know Frank, but if you ask Frank, he says he's in the Hall of Fame. So uh, I think these guys are kind of, you know, saying, hey, I'm in the Hall of Fame because my fight is. But anyways, yeah. We'll see what happens. You know, BJ's one of the greatest of all time. I, isn't he already in the Hall of Fame? I'm pretty he concerned. is. He's already in. That's crazy, right? And uh, B- Bisping's going to be inducted in a couple weeks now. Um, well, in, in July, I guess, right? We just saw him on the plane here. So, uh, yeah, these guys, it's crazy, Aaron. The, the time goes by so fast, man. Like, it didn't seem like that long ago, Aaron, when these guys were at the top of the sport. I remember his fight with Diego Sanchez, BJ's fight, where he just destroyed him and won the fifth round. It seems like so long ago now. I think that was 2009. That was probably the last time he looked, like, really as an elite guy besides the Matt Hughes fight.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it has been some time, and uh, you know, you mentioned BJ's issues that he's been having uh, outside of the octagon, and today he was very explicit with the media that he didn't want to talk about that, which I can understand, I mean, if if there's legal proceedings, yeah, you you don't want to say anything anyways, but um, you you never like having the terms of an interview dictated to you, but at the same time, I I completely understand where he's coming from. Also on this card, I like the Worley Alves versus Morais fight, and the odds just keep getting closer and closer. Uh, Worley, I think, is like a minus-130 favorite or 135 favorite at this point against you know, Sergio Moraes. And, uh, yeah, Worley's an ultimate fighter winner who I thought had a lot of upside, but unfortunately hasn't really lived up to it. That being said, losses to, like, a win over Colby Covington, yeah. um, but losses to Barbarina, Usman, and uh, James Krause, a win over Sultan Aliev and Salim Tuari. Those are fights he should have won, and Aliev just retired yeah. uh, off of a win, mind you. But regardless of that, I think that um, and he was a huge favorite against James Krause, if I'm not mistaken. He was a yeah minus 320 favorite, and he yeah. lost that fight. Um, it seems like Warley Alves loses to a lot of really uh, smart fighters, f- smart you know fighters that are very well rounded and smart. Sergio Morais is very smart when it comes to BJJ. But I don't know how he's going to be able to beat Worley. Like, if this stays standing, I think you have to give a market advantage to, uh, to Worley Alves. And uh, I don't know if, if Marais is going to be able to get him down.
2: I actually saw him on the elevator today. I was in the same elevator as him. I was like, Sergio? Uh, no, Worley. Okay. I was like, hey, isn't that Worley? I'm like, yeah. And he, he said hi to me. He, just, he seemed friendly anyways. He's cutting weight, right? He looked really thin. Like, he's a big dude, I think, you know, for that division. Aaron, he cuts a ton of weight. But for me, the, the, you know, the big thing in this fight is age he's like 28 I believe and Sergio is 37 so he's an he's 37 right we have to be the age here yeah so 36 36. so I mean he's way up there in age at this point
1: I'm with I'm 37 so I I resent uh, that but continue you're
2: not an MMA fighter man you're just an interviewer um I would hope you're not fighting at this age but anyways yeah you know Worley's a solid fighter he's been kind of a flake though in the octagon Aaron like uh, i definitely picked him against james kraus james kraus is actually he's kind of an underrated fighter i think he's on like a five fight win streak but uh yeah i, I don't know I, I don't see sergio winning this fight having said that aaron he's pulled off the upset quite a few times in his career like if you look at his his record he had a, he won a lot of fights that i didn't think he won, like the tim means fight i, I didn't think he had a, pr- a chance in hell to beat Tim means sure it was a bad decision but he still got the, his hand raised in that fight look at his record in the ufc it's pretty solid man a lot of wins but a lot of and the uh, the Akhmedov
1: knockout I love. That's one that of my favorites. That was
2: crazy. That was a close <laughs> fight, and all of a sudden he knocked out in the third round. And Akhmedov is a guy who never gets knocked out, so that was pretty insane. I, I still can't see him winning this fight, though. I think Alvis wins, and you know the the odds are pretty short on him. I, I think people are soured on him after the last couple of fights, but uh, yeah, I'm with you, here and I think Alvis. This is one we actually agree on. I think Alves wins.
1: The old guy's keeping busy. It's his third fight in less than a year. So good on uh, Sergio Marais. It's funny. Alves is one of the meanest looking guys, and Moraes is like the happiest looking guy.
2: And by the way, I'm looking forward to his uh, walkout because he always has that special walkout with that happy song by Pharrell, and he he does like, uh, you know, just the, the thing and with his arms. And he's just you know, jumping in the crowd. He's great, man. I, I love the guy. And you know what? I, is that the only Brazilian and Brazilian violence in this, on this card? Is that the only fight? Oh, no, no. We have uh, Ronaldo and
1: and we've got uh, Toledo yeah, Bernardo. That's yeah. a really
2: good fight, too. Um, that's also a good fight. Oh, the other one I want to mention was this one. Uh, Tiago Alves against Loriano Steropoli. I think the UFC is setting this guy up to win, Steropoli. He's a young guy from Argentina. Uh, they believe in him and his potential. He, he had a nice win in his debut. Uh, yeah, he, this guy Hector Aldana is not a good fighter, but he won fight of the night. He won fight of the night, and it was a great fight. And he just really dominated that fight. Uh, Tiago Alves, one of the most experienced guys. Again, you know, it's crazy that he's still fighting there. And I remember when he fought GSP at UFC 100 for the title. And all these years later, he's fighting, but, you know, that that we're looking at his record right now, guys, and that win over Max Griffin, come on.
1: Terrible decision. That was
2: definitely the robbery of the year, besides maybe the John Fitch-Rory fight. Up till then, this was definitely the worst decision, and his last good performance was the Patrick Cote fight, which I think you were at. And Cote
1: retired right afterwards, yeah, and he looked good in
2: that fight. He did look good in that fight, but otherwise, Aaron, like, I just don't believe him anymore. I think he's, you know, in decline, he's proven me wrong a little bit, like the Max Griffin fight, somehow he pulled it off, but... Yeah, I, I think UFC setting this guy up. It's a huge step up for Star Poly. But I think they might have a potential chip here in Argentina. Um, you know, that seems like a market that UFC does want to go back to. Uh between him and Santiago Panza Nebu, I think there, there's some potential there to, you know, for these guys to headline some cards in the future.
1: I think Floriano's dad was like a famous boxer if yeah, I remember sure. okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
2: yeah. I, anyways, I liked his I liked his performance in his debut. I remember watching that fight and I I you know uh I, I, had, I had a vested interest in him, let's just say, in that one, and he and he pulled it off. So I was happy about that.
1: Well, before we wrap this up, Adam, I, I did want to talk to you about the last card in Ottawa. It was a very, very bad night for Canadian fighters, unfortunately. Uh, you know, a lot of the the really big prospects, like a Brad Katona, unfortunately, ended up losing. And, uh, you know, Arjun Buller won, but his contract just expired. So there's a lot of uncertainty going forward in terms of... Um, how things are going to play out and you know, with uh, Canadians in the UFC. Just looking uh, looking back at that card, I mean, the loss to Marab Devalishvili for Katona, he was undefeated before that. Um, you go back and you see Elias losing in the co-main event against Brunson. There was uh, Marc-Andre Berrio's debut, and he lost. Sarah Morris lost to Macy Chason, who took the fight on short notice. Uh, Eamon Zahabi lost by decision. Uh, Kyle Prepelek fighting up a weight class, lost in his debut to Nordin Taleb. Uh, Kyle Nelson lost to Matt Sales. It looked like that was a pretty crazy fight. Very, yeah, very part. two lopsided rounds in both guys' favor. And yeah. then in the third round, Sales gets it done. But uh, Arjun Boulder, the only Canadian to beat somebody from outside of Canada. And Cole Smith looked good in his debut, I thought. Yeah. But uh, just not a whole lot to to like there if you're into Canadian uh, MMA.
2: Yeah, and I, I picked most of the Canadians in those fights too, Aaron. So it was just a terrible night for me personally and, and for all the Canadians on the card. Like... I thought Elias would win. I thought Barrio was going to win. You know, some of those guys in the prelims I thought would win, too. I don't know. Like, it's it's one of those nights. I mean, I don't think the UFC was too happy with the outcomes. They wanted these guys to win their fights, and they, for the most part, didn't pull them off. The one saving grace was the main event. And I feel like that's happened a few times this year, Aaron. Like, remember that Pettis and Thompson card? That card sucked. And then you had an amazing fight in the main event. And it's like everyone forgot about all those other fights that were awful before there. So that happened again here i think um you know you had a card that really wasn't that good and then all of a sudden you have a main event that was an amazing fight and dalt's roney pulled back turned back the clock once again somehow and pulled off that win over iaquinta so good for him but you know overall aaron uh, you were at that card i don't know it was kind of a, to me it was a below average card you know it turned out to be anyways like you, you never know what them like when you're making, making the fights sometimes they, i thought it looked good on paper but the fights just didn't play out i don't think like anyone wanted them to
1: yeah, Dave Shaw, the head of international, after the card said basically that Cowboy uh, versus Iaquinta saved the card, and I would have to agree with that. It was a pretty like low energy card, and a, I mean the crowd did their part; they they showed up, a good crowd in Ottawa. But uh, at the same time, it was uh, there wasn't a whole lot to enjoy about that card in particular, especially if you were there cheering for the Canadians. And a good good amount of them, unfortunately, let the crowd down. Uh, hopefully, they can turn it around. I'm I'm hearing that the UFC might be coming back to Canada at the at the uh, end of summer and then also again at the, you know some sometime towards the beginning of fall uh, according to Dave Shaw so um we'll see which which Canadians are able to get us you know get us back in the win column i think that uh Hakim Dawadu remains a very good product uh prospect rather for Canada but uh we're going to have to see and the, you know Charles Jordan makes his debut next weekend uh, against desmond green is gonna be a pretty big uphill battle for him because uh he's basically fighting up a weight class and a half i mean he's a pretty small f- featherweight to begin with i was with him last week he's a very small guy who i think is going to grow into his body a little bit more but he's t- only 23 years of age he's so happy to be in the ufc his enthusiasm was really ringing through so he's a he's definitely a hopeful for canadian mma in the future um let's let's listen to some interviews i was at media day earlier today for ufc 237 And I got the opportunity to speak to a lot of the different fighters on the card. I had a chance to sit down with BJ Penn, who is making his return, coming off a really big losing streak right now. Six straight losses. But he's a UFC Hall of Famer, a legend of the lightweight division. And he uh, chatted with me about facing Clay Guida all these years later when both of them were in contention about 10 years ago. Now, in their advanced age at UFC 237... They're going to be facing off, and it was very interesting to speak to BJ Penn. I'll preface this by saying that uh, BJ did politely ask me not to touch on any of the family issues that he has going on right now, and I uh, I accepted the terms of, those in, of the interview uh, just out of respect to BJ and due to the legal process that he might be undergoing, which would preclude him from speaking about such issues. So here's BJ Penn talking about his upcoming fight with Clay Guida. BJ Penn, part of Legends Row here today. you got Aldo, Anderson Silva, Little Nog, even Big Nog's here. How's, what's it like? It's like it's, you're almost at like a Hall of Fame induction here this week.
0: Yes, I, I'm so lucky to be able to fight on the biggest card in Brazil I've ever seen. That's, that's without a doubt. Everybody's everybody's on a card. Anderson, Junior, Nogueira, Thiago's right here. Uh, I wouldn't miss this for the world. I really, that's why I'm here right now. I, I had a dream from 10 years ago already to, I I need to fight in the UFC in Rio. I didn't get my opportunity, finally got my opportunity, and here we go, let's go, we're we're 48 hours out.
1: They're booking you against these guys like Seaver and Ryan Hall, who you have no connection with, Clay Guido, you have a big connection with. You guys were basically in the limelight of the lightweight division when it first started in the UFC. What's it like all these years later getting to fight Clay? You, both you guys are still here.
0: You know what? Me and him, we both need this. We both need this. We're both fighters. We need this for our life, you know? Uh, a pit bull, whether he wins or gets his ass kicked, he's, his, he's happy he fought. You know, that's all of these fighters in here. All of them. We all want to fight. We love the process. We love even this, cutting the weight. We love the whole thing. So, you know, I just hats off to both of us I guess you know I just just respect, I have the same respect he has for me and just good stuff
1: we talked about this last time that you're still doing this because you just love the sport this is this is what you live and breathe um, with with all these losses that you've had recently do you worry that that affects your legacy at all or do you think that the people that watched the sport back when you were the champion know how good BJ Penn is and how much of a legend you are
0: I, I stopped thinking about legacy years ago I I'm, I, I fight because I know I will be back. I know I will be back onto the top again. I, I fight because of what I believe. I believe in myself. I believe in what I will do and that's why I'm still here fighting today. Of course I love fighting in this and that, but it'd be crazy for me to sit there and think, okay, I'm gonna go get my, my ass kicked again. No. I believe in myself.'re we're gonna, we're gonna go out and we're gonna go get the belt back. And why is It do- yeah, sounds to everybody else. just want everybody to know everybody out there. things might be hard. Don't stop, keep going.
1: You'll be hard-pressed to meet a fighter who doesn't have that belief in themselves, correct, if, if, if they're going to win.
0: Yeah, if you, someone doesn't believe in you, you look at them and tell them straight, your lack of faith disturbs me. Leave.
1: <laughs> well, Hawaii's still on the map with Max. Uh, unfortunately, a rough goal for him recently against Dustin Poirier. Do you think that featherweight is where he's just going to be at his best for the rest of his career?
0: Nobody is going to beat Max Holloway at featherweight for many years. He's very good. Um, he's doing very, very nice, you know. Um, he's he's, you know, he's a good kid and he's got a lot of years left in him. Yeah.
1: Why is fighting in Brazil so important to you? Why why this particular card?
0: Uh, because I got my whole start in Brazil. Did jiu-jitsu here. I get to fight this. I get to this. This was just icing on the cake. Seeing how many good fighters was were on this card. I would have fought on this this card if any if all these guys weren't. But now it's what all you get all these guys and we get to meet everybody and stuff. So. I am very, very excited. This is, Rio is very, got my start, man. This, if I didn't become the uh, Jiu Jitsu world champion, I wouldn't have gotten the UFC, you know? And as when Dana ended up letting me say, oh, here's a world champ, let's try him out. And, and I ended up doing good, and the rest is history, here we are today.
1: Sometimes you need to remind people how long you had been doing BJJ for before you became a world champ.
0: Oh, um, I, I was, in 1998, I came here and competed in blue belt. Then 1999, I came and competed in brown belt. And then 2000, I came and won black belt. So, a couple years.
1: That's why you're the prodigy.
0: (laughs) Thank you. All right, BJ,
1: uh, best of luck this Saturday. Thank you, boss. That was BJ Penn discussing his future in the UFC. He still thinks that he can win a championship. And when I posted a video of that on social media the other day, it really blew up because I think people don't have any faith that that's a possibility. And right now, given the track record of BJ Penn and uh, how he's fared lately. It does seem like that would be a a, certainly be a stretch for him to get back into title contention at this age. But, you know, if you're going into the octagon, you have to have that belief. You have to believe that you can beat anybody put in front of you. So when he says something like that, while a lot of people responded by saying he's delusional, you kind of have to carry that with you into the octagon, that sort of fighting spirit, to believe that you still can beat anybody on the planet. So uh, I guess I can kind of understand where BJ Penn is coming from. You know, normally I co-host the show with Joe Valfalini and he has the belief that... He can step in any time in, in glory and, and beat pretty much anybody put in front of him, and that's just his mindset. So it's hard to wrap your head around that unless you've been in that situation. After speaking to BJ Penn, I also got a chance to speak with Alexander Volkanovsky, who's got a very, very tough test in front of him in Jose Aldo, the best fighter really in the history of the featherweight division, uh, true legends of the sport. But Volkanovsky has not lost in his UFC career. Now he's going to have a chance to face by far his most... Challenging opponent to date. You know, he just came off a win over Chad Mendez, who retired after the fight. Aldo has two wins over Mendez, but Mendez really challenged Jose Aldo in that second fight. That was a really, really good rematch. And now we'll get to see what Alexander Volkanovsky is made of. You know, if he does get a win over Jose Aldo, you have to say that he's the front runner for a title shot in the division. So here's Alexander Volkanovsky chatting with me about that, as well as some other things going into this particular fight against Jose Aldo. All right, I'm here with Alex Volkanovsky facing Jose Aldo. Now, Jose Aldo has never lost a three-round fight in his Zufa, uh, I guess, tenure. But would you rather face three-round Jose Aldo, knowing the type of fighter he is, versus five-round Jose Aldo?
3: Uh, oh, yeah, obviously I'd rather five rounds because, I mean, we'll be main event, you know what I mean? Or, or it's a title. And, obviously, I'm, I'm, it's no no surprise that I'm a pressure fighter and I'm fit, you know, and I can, I've got cardio for days. day. So that'll definitely fall into my... It would be better for me if I had that extra two rounds, but at the same time, I know I can get it done in the three. And a lot of people are like going, oh, yeah, he's a three-round... Like, but, I mean, let's be honest, he's, he's had a lot of five-round fights, you know what I mean? So that's, that's probably why. But, I mean, at the same time... Aldo, I mean, Max still got him in in the three. You know, so I still think he broke him inside the three, inside the two, and I expect to do the same. But uh, again, I'm expecting a dangerous Aldo. Got a lot of respect for him. He's been, he was a champion for so long for for a good reason. But at the same time, you know, it's my time. I'm more hungry, and you know, I've got a family to feed, and you know, I'm doing this for them.
1: In this space, when you think Rio, you think Jose Aldo. This is his backyard. Do you feel any added pressure? Do you feel like you're in hostile territory?
3: Ah. Uh, I don't, to be honest with you. I probably will once I'm walking out to the weigh-in, but I adjust to these things so good. So, you know what I mean? A lot of people are, you know, what's it going to be like? I'm probably the perfect guy for this because I take every second as it goes. So I'll be walking out, they'll be booing me. I'll be like, oh, what? Oh, yeah, whatever, have a laugh. And then once I'm in the cage, I completely forget about all that. i am focused exactly what's in front of me. You know, I'll do my little rituals. I'll do my free jumps. You know, I'm I'm focused on on the job in hand. So I don't think that that plays a factor at all. But, I mean, it's going to add to the experience, It's going to add to my my victory, you know what I mean? Fighting in his backyard, you know, I'm sure that's going to set a real statement if I do what I'm planning on doing on
1: Saturday night. That's not a skill that everybody has, being able to live in the moment and let things kind of roll off your back. How did you develop that skill?
3: I don't know. My, My wife says I can't do two things at once, so maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just... I only focus on what's in front of me. Someone asks me a question, I'm going to answer it, and I'll completely forget about other things. That's why when I'm, I'm sitting on my phone scrolling or something like that and the missus talks to me, I've got no idea she's talking to me. So that's why she says I can only do two things at once. But, oh, hey, one one thing, is that right? I can't do two things at once. That's right.
1: Do you feel like a title shot to stake here? I mean, for Jose, if he wins, he's already fought twice against Holloway. Frankie Edgar's kind of in the, in the mix, but a win over Aldo, a statement win, do you think that puts you next in line?
3: Yeah, 100%. Like, a, you know... It's a, uh, again, as I'm telling everyone, it's, it's a no-brainer. Like I'm the only one who's undefeated. You know, I'm going to be on a seven-fight win streak, taking out number one rank. You know, like I don't know what else you, you need to do. Everyone else is coming off a loss or have a loss. You know, not not far off, and I don't have no losses, and I'm taking out the number one contender. Um, free ranked fighters in the last year. Like you know what I mean? It's just, I just think it's going to. After the fight, I guarantee everyone will say I deserve the shot.
1: And not to mention that Edgar's lost twice to Aldo, so I don't know if MMA math works itself out there, but uh, that's what a lot of people would probably look at. Uh, Israel Adesanya wins the championship for your gym, City Kickboxing. What's it meant?
3: Well, I fight. I actually fight at a freestyle fighting gym, but I go there and do some of my camps. So I've, I've actually got Eugene and Brad there from, uh, from uh, City Kickboxing. They come and, and corner me, and I do a lot of my camp there, so we're sort of partner, sort of gyms. But But it, it means a lot, you know what I mean? But again... You know, it's just a crazy fight that they're going to have as well, Rob Whittaker and Israel. They're so good for our back home. You know, we're, we're doing this for our side of the world as well, and I want to I want to bring the title back there too. So if I could get on that card as well and fight for a title on that card, that would just be absolutely huge for our side of the world, and I can't wait to see see how it all, the whole process goes.
1: What is it about Australia that everything has just kind of happened at once? I mean, it took a long time. You had Elvis Sinistich back in the day, but all of these Australian fighters yourself, Rob, Israel, even Dan Hookers in the mix, how have you guys gotten to such a high level?
3: Well, it's just you know we're we caught up now. You know what I mean? Like back then it was yeah, it wasn't the biggest sport back here in Australia, back there in Australia, but now uh, you know we're getting a lot of young athletes coming in, starting MMA, and we've got great athletes in, in Australia, and you're going to see them coming through, and you know that's going to be they're going to be we're going to be in the ranking system for for a long time now. Like like I said, now we're we're here to stay. And uh, you, now you've got, like you said, we've got so many fighters in the in the rankings, and there's some of us that are right up the top, and I plan on taking that title, title next for Australia.
1: All right, Alex, thanks so much for this. I appreciate it. Thank you. Earlier in the show, we heard from BJ Penn. Now let's hear from his opponent, Clay Guida, who's really been in the mix in the lightweight division for quite some time. Now finally gets to face BJ Penn all these years later. You know, when BJ was the champion, Clay Guida was pushing for a title shot, lost to Diego Sanchez in one of the best fights ever, and... Unfortunately, fell short of getting that title shot, but now all these years later, he gets to face BJ Penn. So we pick his brain about what that means to him at this stage in his career. I'm here with Clay Guida. You first get to the UFC. BJ Penn's the biggest target in the division. What's it like to finally fight him now? This is probably a guy you've had your eye on for some time.
4: Yeah, you know what? Him and Sean shirk were the top guys at the time, um, <laughs> and you know what? He took out my coach, uh, Joey Gilbert, back in their uh, bolted their UFC debut back, I think, in 2001, maybe. Um, so. It's always been kind of a, a good personal thing, you know what I mean? Um, and I've always uh, wanted to get there and tangle horns with BJ, you know what I mean? His, his skill level, his boxing, his jiu-jitsu was is unprecedented, you know what I mean? At one time, Mark Delagradi said that BJ Penn had the, best, um, had the best boxing in mixed ball shots or in the entire UFC, and uh, I truly believe that. He was picking guys apart with very, very good boxing, and um, he was finishing them, so... Let's see, uh, 2019. Yeah, 13 years later. My, you know, I'm coming up on 13 years in UFC to be able to face him now. Um, some people may say it's late, but it's never too late to see um, an icon like BJ Penn, you know, and, and someone like myself, a veteran, get in there and, um, and put it on the line.
1: Now he's on something of a skid, but what does a mean a win over him mean for you?
4: Uh, you know what? People may say he's past his time. They may say he's burnt out. He's over the hill. Whatever you want to call it. But uh, a guy like BJ Penn is always dangerous. A big puncher. Heavy hands, great ground game. Um, you know, I mean, his his takedown defense is always tough. But uh, you know, getting a win over him—it's getting a win over you know an icon in the sport, We're gonna, a guy that's had you know held two belts. One, of the, I think maybe one of the first guys between him and Randy Couture to hold two belts. I don't know if it was the same time or whatever, but he, you know, lightweight champ and welterweight champ. So uh, one of my heroes in the sport. So for me, it's a personal victory. Um, it may not mean much in the rankings, but uh, to me, and my camp, um, it's a big deal.
1: What is your end game? I mean, you're you're. You've been in this for a long time, you said almost 13 years. What are you looking ahead to in terms of uh, goals for Clay Guida?
4: Tell you what, it's always uh, been my goal since day one, and I haven't tasted uh, you know, a championship belt since um, Lightweight uh, Strike Force back in 2006 when I was a champ over there. So it always uh, motivates me, um, it drives me, um, it gives me purpose and training, and um, I never waver from that. You know what I mean? Um, I know it's been quite a long time since I've been. Uh, number one contender when I fought Ben Henderson, but uh, I'm telling you we're just a few fights away from getting into that top five Cracking open and getting right there to uh, you know
1: You know right up there to the top guys you've been in some of the more iconic fights in lightweight history the fight with Diego Sanchez particularly sticks out How many times have you gone back and watched that?
4: Mm, not many maybe maybe a handful. Yeah, those are ones that stick with you forever so I don't really feel necessary uh, I don't find it necessary to watch them all the time. Every once in a while, I'll catch someone I'll make a highlight video of it or I'll see a, a 20 or 30 second clip of it. It just reminds me, man. That was just flashes of the fight, you know what I mean? It was, uh, that's one that, you know, it was a fight for the ages. You know, that's one that'll go down in history. And uh, look, at, look at Diego, he's found the fountain of youth too and he's, uh, he's on a two fight win streak and he's doing big things again. So I'm, I'm happy to see him finding success and uh, we're plugging away, man. We're not, we're just getting started at this thing still.
1: That was probably the most tension you've ever seen before a fight, right before the bell went. What led to that? What, what caused such incredible tension between the two of you where you looked almost like caged animals getting ready to be released?
4: Yeah, a lot of people say that was one of the best stare-downs in uh, UFC history. and uh, There was no plans. There was no bad blood. It was just one of those fights you knew you had two just crazy-ass dudes that were going to go out there and put it on the line. And... Uh, we were in there, you know, just kind of barking at each other. And, uh, you know, even at the at the weigh-ins, he was kind of yelling at me on stage. It carried in from the beginning of the fight, you know, to the end of it. And after that, he shook hands, had a beer, and uh, we've been buddies ever since. So no bad blood. Um, that was just, I think it was a time and a place. And just the, the setting of that fight at the Pearl at the Palms, you know, it was, uh, I, I think it might have been one of, like, the ultimate fighter finales or something. But it was just a... You know, there comes a time in you know, every, you know, every fight, every career that you, you need to have one of those. And uh, we were lucky enough to put on a show for the fans like that.
1: It's a perfect venue for that sort of thing. But I did produce a radio show in Montreal before that. It was on location. You were saying some bad stuff about Diego. There was a little bad blood, no?
4: <laughs> we were just hyping up the fight. <laughs> that was you. All right. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a long time ago, man. But Diego, Diego's a bro. He's a good dude. He's a warrior.
1: And with BJ, what? Do you think that if, if you do beat him and he's lost, I think, 6-7 in a row, that it, it's the end for him? I mean, I know that nobody should tell somebody when their career should end, but do you think that the writing is on the wall?
4: Yeah, I'm definitely not the guy to tell him uh, when it's his time. And, uh, you know, him and his family, you know, um, think it's right, then, you know, I hope he you know, steps away from the sport or he continues to develop. And, uh, you know, because he's, he's definitely made... Um, so many millions of people fans of the, uh, you know the sport of uh, mixed martial arts and he's made so many UFC fans you know um, so that's totally up to them but I'm definitely you know, uh, you know make him feel like he wants to retire after uh, Saturday night.
1: People talk a lot about legacy and what that means to people. He's just in this because he's just had so much fun doing this but do you think that Losses will affect his legacy. I mean, you and I remember what he was like back in the day when he fought Diego Sanchez, when he was just this unbeatable guy at lightweight. Um, do you think that these losses, especially if you're a newer fan of the sport, will make you think that BJ Penn was never as good as people say he was?
4: No, that's a good question. I definitely do not think you know his skid will define him in the record books. You know, because to me, I was in the lightweight division, you know, vying to be where he was. You know, I mean, I was fighting to get to where he was when he was beating you know my teammates and you know Joe Stevenson when he dismantled Kenny Florian when he destroyed. Sean Shurik, uh, when he beat up Jens Pulver again, uh, you know what I mean. He beat the best of the best, and so that, those are the ones that stand out to me. You know, not the not later. You know, when you know when he beat Matt Hughes, but not later when you know he lost a few in a row. So um, he'll always be, you know, BJ. You know, the king of uh, king of Hawaii to me, uh, king of Hilo.
1: Awesome, Clay. Well, best of luck this Saturday. Thank
4: you so much. Appreciate it.
1: That was the carpenter, Clay Guida. The UFC 237 weigh-ins have taken place now, the official weigh-ins. Betch Kohea missed weight, came in at 141 for her fight at 135 pounds and would not try to uh, make weight for a second time. And unfortunately, due to a medical emergency, the fight between Diego Fejeja and Francisco Trinaldo was called off. So uh, best wishes to Diego Fejeha. You know, I had a chance to speak to him at Media Day and talk to his coach, uh, Saif Saoud, at the uh, airport. He was on the flight with us. I think Diego might have been on the flight with us as well. But uh, very unfortunate situation for Diego, who was going to fight in his home country and uh, unfortunately had a very tough weight cut, from what I understand, and uh, was unable to make the weight. So that's uh, what the status of UFC 237 is right now. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. I hope you enjoy UFC 237, and we'll be back uh, next week to discuss the UFC's card in Rochester, New York. Thanks very much for listening, and enjoy the fights.
0: Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca. ufc